hugging strangers, helping orphans in India, and a motorcycle that's constantly breaking down. This week, we're talking with Leon Logothetis of The Kindness Diaries. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the show where we travel the world virtually to sample this planet's interesting dishes and drinks. And this week, we're talking with a guy who's literally traveled the world multiple times. Leon Logothetis is the creator and host of The Kindness Diaries, a show where he travels the world with no money, relying solely on the kindness of strangers. In season one, Leon circled the world on his unreliable motorcycle, Kindness One. And on season two, Leon upgraded to a VW Bug to travel from Alaska to the tip of Argentina. I'm a fan of the show, and it was certainly a treat talking to Leon about his journey, the fate of Kindness One, and the people and experiences he had along the way, including visiting a tea plantation in India, some welcome pasta in Italy, and a needed hotel stay in Vietnam. Destination Eat Drink. Leon, folks know you from being on your show, The Kindness Diaries, but for folks who haven't seen the show yet, can you give us a thumbnail as to what The Kindness Diaries is about? Sure. Well, basically, um, I, I had two seasons of the show, and season one, I got a vintage yellow motorbike, and I drove it from Los Angeles all the way around the world back to Los Angeles, relying entirely on the kindness of strangers. Uh, I had no money, no food, no gas, no place to stay. All I had was relying on people like you. Um, and there was a twist in that unsuspecting Good Samaritans received a life-changing gift. Um, and then season two was Alaska to Argentina in a 50-year-old convertible yellow beetle. <laughs> I have really fond memories from watching season two of that VW Beetle because my father was in the military in the late 50s and he was stationed in Germany and he was there with my mom. And when they came back from Germany in, I think, 1961, they came back uh, with each other, but with two other things, a dachshund named Fritz and a blue VW Beetle. And my parents held on to that thing for at least 10 years, probably longer than that. So I remember as a kid growing up in the back seat of that VW Beetle. And one of the things I remember most about it is that thing, that thing's heater sucked. We lived in Michigan and we could not, in the wintertime, the windshield was always half covered in frost. And my father's leaning down trying to look through the windshield because you couldn't see anything because those heaters were so low powered. And then I see you going driving through the mountains in South America, and it looked like you had some trouble with the cold in that VW as well. Is that right? Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, the heater was so bad, we didn't even turn it on. Uh, <laughs> and I was driving through uh, Alaska uh, in the middle of winter. Uh, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't much fun from that perspective. It blows my mind because Germany's a cold weather country. You'd think they could put a decent heater in one of those VWs, but it didn't happen. No, it didn't. Let's talk about the show a little bit. 
One of my favorite episodes was in season one of the Kindness Diaries when you're tooling around in your motorcycle, Kindness One, and you're in India and you go by this orphanage. And at the end, you talk about the twist where you give a life-changing gift. And you gave a gift to this orphanage of sports equipment, a library, and clean drinking water. Uh, the kids are all drinking dirty drinking water because that's all that they had. Have you, uh, have you followed up with those folks? How are they doing these days with their, um, with their library and their clean drinking water and their cricket bats? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's really quite amazing that uh, we live in a world where on one side of the world, uh, you know, we have pretty much have everything we need. And on another side of the world, even down the street, to be honest, on that other side of the world, they have nothing. Um, and yes, in that Calcutta orphanage, they, what they did have was love. Um, what they didn't have were the basics. And they were drinking this very um, toxic water, right? Uh, and all it took for them to drink good water was a purifier, which wasn't expensive, uh, but it shifted a lot. Uh, and yes, I've stayed in touch with them, and and uh, it's it's it shows how easy it is sometimes to help someone. It doesn't take a lot. I mean, you know, most of us have the ability to purchase a water purifier. I don't know how much they cost, but they're not expensive. <laughs> you you call your show the Kindness Diaries, and I think a lot of people think about kindness as being nice, but you define it a little bit differently. What is your definition, Leon, of kindness? For me, kindness is helping someone feel less alone. We've all felt alone at, at times in our lives, right? It's part of the human experience. Uh, and when you make someone feel less alone, you are telling them that they have value. You are telling them that they are important. Um, and you are holding their hearts. And that, to me, is, is the definition of kindness. One thing that struck me as I was watching the show was the you travel through some very rich countries and you travel through some desperately poor countries. And I may be overgeneralizing here, Leon. Tell me what your take is on this. It seemed like in some of the richest places where you were, you had the most difficulty finding that kindness, that generosity. And some of the poorest places where people had literally nothing, they were willing to put you up to give you food. I mean, look, it, it, I, I don't want to overgeneralize either, right? But there was some element of truth to that. And I, and I think what it was was simply a lack of community in the big, in the more wealthy countries and a richness of community in the less wealthy countries. Um, if you have nothing, you are forced to rely on each other. If you have everything, you do not need to rely on anyone to a certain degree. Um, and I think that's what happened. So the people with less, uh, they knew and they know what it's like to, to rely on each other and to live in, in a sense of community. And people in the Western world, to a certain degree, have lost that sense of community. I think when, as we step up the economic ladder in the West, one of the first things we do is isolate ourselves. We, we live in larger homes that are farther away from our neighbors. We live in places that are gated. We, are, uh, we drive into our garage and we don't have to interact with any other human beings between when we're going to work and we're going home. Uh, and for some reason... We get we get uh, kind of 
uh, sucked into that, right? Yeah, we get we we get to thinking that this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the path that I'm intended to take. This is a sign of success in my world. Yes, yes. So the difference between kindness uh, between the first episode of the Kindness Diaries and the second episode is you're in the VW Bug the Beetle in uh, the second season. What happened to Kindness One? Do you still have the motorcycle? Well, if you've seen season one, which I believe you have, uh, you'll know that Kindness One always breaks down. Yes. <laughs> um, so currently she's broken down. Uh, oh, no. And I, I put, yeah. And I put her in storage and she's sitting there waiting to be fixed, but I'm not sure if I can stomach fixing her again. We'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. You had to do a lot of fixing and repairing and, you know, yeah. bubble with bubble gum and spit just to keep that, that puppy going on the road. Yeah. 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 Season two. So this gets to the isolation question in season one, you're on this cool motorcycle and Let's face it, a cool motorcycle is a magnet for people. You're driving down the strip of Las Vegas and people are coming up to you. In season two, you're in a VW bug. And by definition, a car, you're surrounded by metal. There is less obvious interaction. Did you find it more difficult in season two to make those connections simply because you weren't out in people's faces as much? Not really, because the, the Beetle is convertible. Ah. So the moment you put the top down, even though for most of the time I did have the top up, um, but, but not really. Also, I, 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 that was the second time I'd done the journey. So I kind of knew how to, how to connect with people. The moment you tell anyone you're traveling around the world for free uh, and relying on kindness, mm. people's you know, adventurous spirit perks up and they generally want to help. Not all the time, of course, but generally. What would you say is, is was your hit rate? You know, I mean, how often it, you show a lot of times when you talk to people and over and over and over again, people say no, 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 for different reasons. Some people obviously have great reasons for not wanting to help. But what would you say, how, how difficult was it to find someone to give you an act of kindness, whether it was food, uh, fuel or shelter? Look, I would say that uh, if I went to 10 people, nine would say no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of them would say no because they were busy. Some of them would say no because they, you know, they, they're a little bit fearful. Some said no because oh, they weren't sure. Some of them said no because they weren't very kind. I mean, whatever. Uh, but all, it, all that matters is you find that one person that says yes, right? Yeah. All you need is one yes. So you, you did this all around the world twice, what is there any sort of thing that you can take away? There's a commonality among people. You can say, ah, that's a person who's going to be kind to me. <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, look, yes. Uh, and that is the person that comes from their heart, the person that's connected to their humanity, more often than not will be kind. The person who is not connected to their humanity, the person who comes just from their head uh, more often than not, will not be kind. And again, that's a generalization, but it's pretty true. So uh, I intuitively, it doesn't always work, right? But I intuitively go up to people, clearly it doesn't work because nine say no. <laughs> but I, I intuitively go up to people who I feel are coming from their hearts and uh, are, are, are okay to, to, you know, to help out. In the Kindness Diaries, there's a lot of hugging of strangers, because someone is giving you something, a, a wonderful gift of shelter for the night or food, fuel, whatever it is, and you spontaneously hug them. My question to you is, Leon, we've been in basically lockdown for a year. 
how are you coping with the lack of physical touch from strangers that you were relying on throughout this journey? I imagine that was a big part of what you were doing. Yeah, it's another good question. Um, Look, hugs are, are a beautiful thing, right? And it's a way to kind of feel connected to someone, whether they're a stranger or not. And um, you get used to you get you can you get used to anything, right? History has shown that uh, in the human race can get used to anything. So even though hugging is a beautiful thing, we've had to get used to not hugging, and hopefully this will soon end. And we can hug again, right? (laughs) I hope so, because it's a vital part of being a human being is getting that human touch between people, whether they're strangers or family or grandma or whoever. Yes, absolutely. So I I guess I I wanted to ask you, and again, I I always concern myself about overgeneralizing, but um, I think there's a stereotype out there that English people, British people are more reserved emotionally on this hugging topic and Americans are more in your face. Is this spontaneous hugging? Is this something, you know, you talk about having an open heart. Is this spontaneous hugging something that just happens for you? Is it a learned behavior? The way that you were brought up, the way that you lived your life before doing the kindness diaries, is this something that you would often practice or is this a a new uncomfortable feeling for you, Leon? Look, I think it's uh, as a kid, I was maybe averse to hugging, hmm. right? I did grow up in England, and England has the stiff upper lip, and you know, right. it, it's it's very different from America. But I think part of the the reason why I hug people, uh, again, they have to accept it, right? I don't just hug them without them <laughs> wanting to be hugged. Um, uh, I think the reason is because uh, maybe a lack of touch in a positive way in my in my uh, in my past, right, as a kid, and the ability to 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 put that to rest and, and and to you know have some healthy human touch is 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 maybe part of the reason why I have these spontaneous hugging moments and a moment it's obvious it's a moment of joy for everyone and I think that's yeah. one of the most special parts of the show let's talk about food because my favorite topic <laughs> is food and so I'm always interested when I see a travel show is uh, what are they eating uh, when they're on the road? So give us an idea. What are some of your most memorable meals that you had in filming The Kindness Diaries? Uh, I have a very weak stomach. So if I eat too much uh, interesting stuff, it will not end well. (laughs) So I have to be very careful what I eat. Um, However, there are times when you're in someone's house and you know they're offering you food, and it's very difficult to say no because you know you're 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 in their home and they're trying to be kind to you, right? So there have been moments. I was in the, in India in Delhi in the in the slums of India, and they made me some chicken. Um, that was before I was vegan, um, and I and I you know chicken and rice, and I mean I ate it. Uh, it didn't go down all that well, and I was a little bit unwell. But uh, I had to do what I had to do. And they were being kind. They were being thoughtful. They were being respectful. They were being gracious. Uh, so I ate the chicken. Uh, I think it was chicken. I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, you know, little moments like that. Like I've had moments. So I remember once I was in a uh, – this wasn't part of the show. I was in Mongolia. I was in the Gobi Desert. And we ended up chatting with some, uh, you know, some locals, let's say. Um, and they ended up giving me some camel's milk. 
I mean, you know, camel's milk is 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 lovely if you like camel's milk. But if you don't like camel's milk, it's you know, it's not so great. But you have to be kind, you have to be gracious. So I drank the camel's milk. Do you think you said you're vegan now? Do you think you could actually conduct a trip like this now as a vegan? Uh, do you know what? I am a vegan that eats fish. So people say, oh, you're a pescatarian. No, I'm not. I'm a vegan that eats fish, which means I'm a vegan. It's all very <laughs> bizarre. So I can eat fish, which gives me the ability to be able to do it, right? You said when you were in India and you had the chicken and the rice, you thought it was chicken and it didn't maybe agree with you. Did you have to go back on that motorcycle with some gastrointestinal distress? That can't be fun. <laughs> I did. I did. But uh, it all worked itself out. So okay. it was all good. Also in India, you visited a tea plantation. You're a fan of tea. You're a tea drinker. Tell me what that was like. Yes, I was in Darjeeling. And Darjeeling is kind of the, I don't know what to say, the birthplace of tea. I'm not sure where the birthplace of tea is, but it's a famous place where people make tea. Um, and I ended up literally just walking into a tea plantation and started to chat with this English guy. Uh, and we were given some free tea. I stayed the night with, with him in the end, him and his, 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 his partner. Um, but it was nice to be able to drink tea uh, in Darjeeling because Darjeeling, I think there's a specific type of tea that comes from Darjeeling. So to be able to drink it uh, at the source was quite cool. You know, you talk about the origin of tea, and I didn't know this. I had a guest on the podcast a year ago who told me that she, she's a food anthropologist, and she told me that through her research, she found that tea original, originated in China, but the way it got to India was through the British. The British uh, colonial folks, in, in essence, stole cuttings of tea plants brought them over to India, found that India was a good climate for growing tea, and that's how India became such a giant tea producer in the world. And I just thought that was fascinating because I had no idea. Oh, wow. That is pretty interesting. I never knew that. So you were also in Italy. I'm trying to remember in season one, you had at one point, you were given the gift of staying in a four-star hotel. And let's up front for folks who haven't seen the show... This was a very rare occurrence. You know, you were staying in people's houses for the most part. But in this one occasion, you stayed in a very, very nice hotel. And I can't remember, did you get room service there? What was your meal like there? Do you remember? Yeah, that was in Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, Ho Chi Minh. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah no, that's all right. Um, yes, I got room service. Uh, they put me in the presidential suite and... Uh, it was quite an experience because I had been traveling for, by that time, five months or so. And uh, I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go into this hotel and I'm going to tell them what I'm, gonna, what I'm doing and I'm going to see what they, what they say. And I thought they were going to kick me out, but they didn't. And they let me stay and I got a good night's sleep for the first time in months and uh, it all worked out. It looked like a very luxurious stay, especially for a guy who's had to sleep on his motorcycle and sleep on floors and things like that for uh, the past several months. Any other meals that you remember that were especially good or interesting or entertaining or different while you were traveling on your journey? Yeah. Season one, I was in Italy. I arrived in, I 
oh, I can't remember. I arrived in Trieste, maybe. No, I don't know. I can't remember where it was. Um, and ended up staying in this kind of castle-like house. And uh, he made me a pasta. And you actually see the pasta being put in uh, into my plate uh, on season one. And it was just amazing. It was like everything you could imagine an Italian pasta would be. Well, uh, folks can stream The Kindness Diaries online. I think I watched it on Amazon Prime. Season one was available on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure if it's still available. Um, yeah, season one is on Amazon Prime. Season two was on Netflix. It's going to be moving to a uh, another major channel, but uh, it's going to be a few months. Before. Okay, very good. We'll, we'll look for that, and we'll uh, talk about that when that comes out. I did want to ask you, Leon, you mentioned that you're a vegan now. You live in Los Angeles, I believe. And there's lots of great vegan restaurants in Los Angeles. What, where do you like to go? Where do you like to eat when you're in Los Angeles, when you're at home? Oh, uh, there's a great restaurant called Crossroads in West oh, Hollywood. I love that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, place yeah. is we, incredible. I know. It's really cool. So I eat there. My brother took me there and it's one of those top 10 meals that I still talk about uh, to this yeah. day. Man, we got a little yeah. bit of everything. I think they have a cookbook too, which I haven't, which I haven't read. Um, anything in particular you like to get at Crossroads? Um, the Milanese, but clearly it's, it's a, you know, vegan Milanese. Leon, what are you working on? Uh, what are you working on these days? Uh, any, any chance for Kindness uh, Diaries 3? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, prior to COVID, we were definitely working on a season three, which would have been Kindness Diaries in all 50 American states. Oh, cool. um, and we're still working on it. So, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll come out when all this chaos ends. But I just finished a documentary where I went to India to find God. So, <laughs> and it, it's interesting because when I, you know, when I, when I came back from India, I realized that I didn't have to go to India to find God. But anyway, I went to <laughs> India to find God. I won't ask for a spoiler as to whether you found God or not. It sounds, inter <laughs> it sounds interesting though. Um, but I do want to ask you if you do or when you do a third season of The Kindness Diaries, what do you plan to travel in? Because you started in the motorcycle, you moved up to the VW bug. What Do you have any idea about transport this time? It will be a VW camper van, a yellow camper van. <laughs> Kindness 3. Okay, beautiful. Well, <laughs> I'm, you know, so this is like the hippie VW microbus from Woodstock era in the 60s. Yeah, basically. Would you be tempted to sleep in the back of this if you can't find someone to give you lodging? There will definitely be times when I'll be sleeping in the back. Very good. But we'll see. We'll see. Leon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, the Kindness Diaries is available for streaming. People should watch it. It's very uplifting and very uh, enjoyable show to watch, and I highly recommend it. Thanks for being on Destination Eat Drink. Thank you very much. Okay, there you go. Quite the journey for our pal Leon. I've got links to Leon's website where you can stream the Kindness Diaries in the show notes. Get that at radiomisfits.com. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we're in Istanbul. Istanbul, Turkey. Turkish coffee. One of my favorites. We'll talk about that next week. Until then, I've posted a story about one of my favorite lighthouses where a beacon has stood since before the American Revolution. And 
has a foghorn that'll knock you off your feet if you're not careful. You can get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and gearhead Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, get your shot, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 